So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that this time has all the presenters it needs. I, mean, I think that's debatable, but all the ones that were planned to be here are here this time. Sorry, everybody. That was my fault. I don't think it was. It wasn't my fault. I'm just being polite, Phil. I was very clear that I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> it was a racing incident. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the razzmatazz of F1 podcasts. Viva Las Vegas! Woo! I thought this was Brazil. Yeah, but because it's late, we're going to preview Las Vegas as well. What we've done is we've taken the we've taken the script from last week that we didn't record, and we've literally just stuck a bit about Las Vegas in it, and that's it. We're going to hope nobody notices. Um, Matt, don't keep this bit in. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake. Due to clerical error, this podcast will be going ahead. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, I, I mean, you probably realised last week you don't need us. Welcome to Formula One's sake. We're older than Alonso, but not as good. Are we all older than... Well, I'm Alonso. Uh, yeah, are you, Drew? Yeah. Are you older than Alonso? I'm 41. Yeah, we are. You're 41? Yeah. That's younger than Alonso. Isn't he 40? He's, I thought he's he was 42, 41 as well. He? Is he 42? Oh, he's 42. Oh, then I am younger than Alonso. Oh, it's oh, the youth. <laughs> Welcome to Formula One's sake. The futile protests of F1 podcasts. Haas did a protest against something, presenting absolutely no new evidence whatsoever and expected something to change. It didn't. Idiots. Oh, I thought this was about Israel. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt to go there. Not the country, the, the topic. No, not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with the topic. Oh, God. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the podcast F1 deserves. I'm Drew Stern, and tonight, from the murkiest, dankest parts of the internet, we'll be taking a second stab at reviewing the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Sorry about the wait. We'll talk about sprints, fading F1 superstars that haven't quite lost it yet, Italian cars being unreliable, and maybe also hear about Terry's holiday. But that's not all. We'll also look ahead to this weekend's Las Vegas Grand Prix, which looks subtle and classy. That's all to come. Joining me is a man who will never have money again. It's Phil Tromans. It was MOT week for my old BMW. And how who wants to guess how well it went? Uh, it passed with flying colours. In fact, they said you never have to come back for an MOT ever again. It's uh, good forever, this car. You're actually surprisingly close. What actually happened was that they said, we're not even going to put it through the test because it's going to fail. <laughs> hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Is this the one that you brought like a couple of years ago? I yes. need a lot of work doing to it. Yes. And have you done all that work? I've done a lot of work to it. 
is the MOT worse than what it was when you got it? <laughs> well, it's previously passed all the MOTs. So you've made it's, it worse. It's at the moment not going to pass this one. You've Basically, made it worse. It, it, no. Yes. No. Maybe. Well, one of the wheels broke, and they don't make the wheels anymore. Um, and it's <laughs> it's been repaired too many times that they can't repair it again. So I now have to find either a wheel that they don't make anymore that somebody else has got that hopefully is in not too bad a nick, which is proving quite tricky, or I have to buy a whole new set of wheels for it unless I just want to drive around with one wheel different from all the others, which how I don't much, really want to do. How much do wheels cost? Bear in mind, I have no idea. Let's play a game. I have no idea how much a wheel costs. So well, it depends if you're talking about just the wheel or if you also want to have a tyre on it and it to be fitted properly and balanced and all this kind of stuff. I'd reckon I'd want all of that. And bearing in mind, it's, it's a relatively nice wheel on mine. Like You can't buy them anymore and they're quite sought after. So you're making it sound expensive. I'm going well, to say £100 a wheel. That would be very cheap. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, if I want to buy a new that. one, because there are a, cu- there are a couple of... <laughs> There are a couple of places that still have like old stock where I found, and a new one would be about 350 quid for one of the wheels. And I'm like, well, that's not too bad, I suppose, but I don't really want to spend that because it also needs a load of other work doing to it as well. Um, so I'm now thinking, do I do that? But then I have one brand new wheel and then three other wheels that, let's be honest, might also go bang quite soon because, you know, they've all been on the car for the same amount of time. Um, so I'm thinking, do I just buy a whole new set of wheels? But then that's really expensive. Are you driving the um, car equivalent of the house in the movie The Money Pit? Similar. I mean, it's, at this stage, it's more like Trigger's Broom. <laughs> There's very little of the original car left. How much so, did you pay for the car? Two and a half grand. How much have you paid on it since? A lot more than that. How much? I'm not going to say how much because even my I haven't even told my wife how much I spent. She doesn't on it. listen to this. How much? She she does occasionally. Hi. It's a, it's a, it's a lot. It's it's enough that I could have gotten a much nicer car. Is it worth it? Like Phil? a much nicer car. Is it worth it, Phil? I mean, at this stage, it has to be because I've put so much into it that I can never sell it, and I can't just write it off. I have to keep going. I'm in for a penny, in for thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds. Some people live I'm in just, their car. I'm just sad. Oh, but in other news, uh, I bought another car. <laughs> Sorry. Does this one go? Has it got four wheels? Yeah. No, this is a new one. So our main like family car, the one that's reliable and doesn't fall apart all the time, uh, is leased, and it's going back next month. So we needed to get another one, and I decided to buy because leasing's not as good value as it used to be. So I've bought a Seat, which we haven't got yet, but I will have soon. Nice. And that's newer, and theoretically... He says, touching all the wood he can find, a lot more reliable. And it has a warranty, so if it does go wrong, the garage has to pay for it. And beside him is a man who has had some money stolen. It's Terry Saunders. Now, I had a letter from the German Finanzamt, which is the tax man, saying I I owed some tax, which I knew about. So I went to my business account to pay this tax bill. And this business account, I had a couple of grand in there, which I knew was going to be there to wait for the tax bill I had to marked. Yep. And I went into the account and there was one euro 34 in there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's weird. I must have logged into the wrong account. And I checked again and I was like, oh, fuck. And then I found that my uh, account had just had about 100 transactions to AliExpress ranging from one euro up to about 500 euros. <laughs> so mm. I 
I called the bank, which is wise, as in the bank is wise. It was, it was also wise to call the bank. It wasn't just going to fix itself. And they told me there was nothing they could do, and I had to do a police report. And then I realized I had to do a police report in German, in Germany. Oh. And, oh, I don't know, the police are there. You know, they're very busy at the minute. So, um, yeah, I've, I've had some money. It's not really a very funny story, except there's a redemption arc because I got the police report, and they gave me the money back. Oh, well, oh, that's good. That's did fine. you do the police report in German? Yeah. So, to, how did that go? Is your German now good enough that you can go, ah, Herr Polizei, <laughs> hello. Mein ich Geld ist Geld. nicht hier. <laughs> Wo ist mein, mein money? Yes. Ich habe mein null. Bank ist kaputt. Ich habe null. <laughs> mein Geld, Aldermann, says null. Uh, ich habe Geld nichts. Yeah, no, I, I ended up finding a place online where you can just record a police report. And oh, then I good. use Google Translate. Well, that's like a proper grown-up thing to do. I'm quite impressed. You're like you're like a watchdog. Oh, we could do that, couldn't we? Because I think I mean they. I think I don't know if Watchdog's still on, but if they want a German version, and they need presenters, Gesehen Hund, <laughs> <laughs> the dog who sees. <laughs> I would watch it. Brilliant, yeah, Drew. Welcome back. Ah, thank you for having I mean, me. I say welcome back, welcome back again, because you were here last week. Yeah, we made a brief appearance minutes. last week, yeah, yeah. more of an apology tour. But yeah, I've basically just been sat in this chair waiting for this re-recording to happen. I haven't gone anywhere or done anything, so. Yes, as we asked, yes. I've just been uh, sat well, here Well, we waiting. appreciate it. Yeah, How have you been? Yeah, not bad. I, I literally have just been sat here. I've been editing. I've been uh, trying to launch this production company that specializes in, in comedy stuff. And it's great because I, I love comedy. I love going to comedy and filming comedy is, is great fun. But editing it is just watching the this comedian, as funny as he is, doing the same special over and over again, trying to get the edit right. So it you forget what about it was funny in the first place because you've heard it a thousand times. Um, and it's a good way to, to test how much you actually like something is to edit footage of it over and over again. So we'll see how I feel this time out, next week. Turns out the answer is not that much. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still enjoying it at the moment, but I feel like it's wearing wearing thin. Um, okay. But it's, yeah. Maybe don't promote it on this particular episode. <laughs> I would. And a shout it, out to... Uh, producer Matt, who has edited 7,000 episodes of us <laughs> wagging on about Formula One, and he doesn't even like Formula One, nor do we, yeah. but you know. Let's cast our minds way back to the Sao Paulo Grand Prix and head to Listener's Corner, making sure your hydraulics don't fail before you get there. Yes, a thinly veiled reference to Charles Leclerc there, who spanned it into the barriers on the warm-up lap, although in fairness it was only because his car stopped working. Ferrari had, once again, gone boom. Wayne Dwop asks, Okay, Charles, plan C. We've cut your hydraulic cables. You can't be on the wrong strategy if you don't start the race. As Charles himself asked, why is he so unlucky? Why am I unlucky, lucky, lucky, lucky? Why am I unlucky in Formula One? Oh. <laughs> Whole song, please. No? Okay. No. Um, I mean, this... He, he Is he unlucky? Does he just whinge a lot? I think he maybe he is actually quite unlucky. They say Sometimes you make he your own, own luck, luck, Phil. Yeah, this like is it. Like buying a BMW with three wheels. <laughs> yeah. Charles Leclerc is the equivalent of me buying a BMW. Yeah. He's gone to Ferrari thinking, ah, it's only two and a half grand. What could go wrong? Everybody said to him, don't go to Ferrari. Everybody said to you, don't buy an old BMW. He did it. You did it. You're both paying the price. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't argue with that. Um, of all the drivers on the grid, Charles Leclerc is usually the one who's pretty good at if he's in the wrong, if he's made a mistake, owning up to it. And the fact that he's like, oh, now I'm being really unlucky is just one step away from him going, yeah, Ferrari really are shit. That's basically Charles Leclerc's for, yes, Ferrari are shit, right? Why am I so unlucky? I mean, <clears throat> nobody can be sort of surprised that this has happened, surely. Because we said... And, you know, we're not exactly cutting-edge, insightful experts. We're not far off, but we're not. Um, when Ferrari were 1-2, whenever it was, and Science even won a race, we were like, this is not going to last. They will make mistakes. And their mistake this time was not clearly not checking the car properly. Like, I, it's one thing to make a strategic Pop error. Kettle. It's one thing to... Well, yes, but, I'm, but I'm not an international Formula One team yet. Um, you won't with that attitude. <laughs> if Lord Hesketh can do it then damn it so can I um, you know I can't see any excuse for the car breaking on the outlap is there, an, is there an excuse for that? tell me I'm wrong, maybe I'm being unreasonable I mean it, it shouldn't yeah, you, you know, three quarters of the way through the race you know, it's really hard to do an F1 race I can see that's acceptable but surely a fairly base standard is like before the car starts the race, make sure it works I don't want to push this point too much, Phil, but surely the base of owning a car should be the MOT test doesn't go, let's not even fucking bother, mate. <laughs> well, the thing is, I've done two MOT tests in this car, and they've sailed through it. It's only the third one. So at least I've got to what is essentially the third lap of the race. Just more than Ferrari, has won mate. races. <laughs> well, some would say that just by owning this car, I have won. But those people are very, fictional. very quiet. <laughs> Perhaps the most interesting aspect of an otherwise meh race weekend was that Aston Martin were suddenly fast again. After a great start to the season that turned into a steady decline towards the back of the grid, Lance Stroll finished fifth in Sao Paulo and Fernando Alonso nabbed a podium spot after some excellent defending against Sergio Perez. Phil McWilliams says, Apart from Max or Lewis, no other driver would have been able to regain the last podium place from Checo the way Fernando did. He is a class act, and if Aston Martin give him a decent car next year, he'll easily be capable of winning the championship. Nick Peppel says, Aston Martin suddenly performing well now that McLaren is likely to secure fourth in the championship is like a student starting their research paper two days before the deadline. Too little, too late. Rich Johnston says, Alonso showing up Perez is the highlight of F1 since Kimi was taking a shit. This was great. We, I mean, we all saw it, didn't we? It was so Terry, exciting. Have you seen it? Really great. I saw it. You did? It very, was good, wasn't it? Very recently saw it. <laughs> About 20 minutes ago. <laughs> but wasn't it good? It was the best bit of the race. Uh, first of all, I don't know why Aston Martin is suddenly quick again. Where did this come from? Did they get upgrades? I mean, we've had well, it sounded like it, earlier in the but... year they did some bad upgrades and now mm. they've downgraded back to a grade and now they're upgraded. They went, they side graded. They side graded. <laughs> and then upgraded from the new grade. They forked off into <coughs> another direction. <laughs> they were. We've been wishing they would do so for so long. Um, it was good. And even, even Lance Stroll was all right. But. Um, that defensive driving from I'm sure we've talked about defensive driving on the podcast before not that long ago but I can't remember why that defensive driving from Alonso was tremendously good and you could sort of see Perez get more and more and more and more annoyed and then he finally got past him but he made the rookie mistake that everyone we say every year in Brazil since they brought DRS in 
don't overtake people on the start finish straight because you'll just lose it again on the second DRS thing down to turn three or four, whatever it is. And, uh, and Alonso got it again. And, and then was just basically so good at placing his car. He's so good. And also, so I don't, old. I don't know if I can explain what I'm thinking here, which is handy for a podcast. But the two cars, they started to look like their owners. Like Alonso's <laughs> like cars dogs. just became kind of wily, and <laughs> Perez's just looked a bit annoyed. I, I can't really explain what I mean, but you could see their personalities <laughs> yeah. through the driving. Yeah, Perez's car started to look um, like it wasn't going to last next season, even though it had a contract. <laughs> and Alonso's car looked like it would stab you in the back at any given opportunity. I reckon Alonso would stab himself in the back. <laughs> I think if he thought he could, if if it, if it thought it could get him somewhere, he would do it. But it wouldn't. It would land him in a team that didn't do very well. If I was Which, Christ- up until this race, is exactly what we suspected would happen with Aston Martin. Do you know what? If I was Christian Horner. I would get Alonso in for a meeting and just say, what would you do for this drive? And just watch him demean himself in the most <laughs> horrific way. And they go, all right, thanks for letting us know. <laughs> thanks for your time. But it sort of turned into the last days of Sodom. <laughs> As he's sitting there <laughs> scooping his own shit from his ass into his mouth. <laughs> Via a Kimoa cap. <laughs> drive to survive, guys, would be loving it. Shit to get a bit of a better car. <laughs> And talking of shitting, when Rich Johnson says about Kimmy taking a shit was the best time for a while, Alonso was there. He's been driving for so long. <laughs> Alonso used to babysit fucking Raikkonen. I don't know. Actually, I think Raikkonen was slightly old because Raikkonen was older than me, slightly. So I think Alonso must be within like a year of uh, Raikkonen. Oh. But Kimmy. Well, well, we still haven't ruled out Kimmy coming back at some point. Well, Surely I he does for what if he replaces this, Perez? Right? <laughs> Well, that's a very topical and parochial <laughs> joke, yes. Kimi Raikkonen is 44 years old. Oh, there you go. Oh, my God. I'm 44, 44 in two Lewis months. Hamilton. <gasps> two months. That's not very far away. It's a no. lot longer for me. I'm near death. It's eight months for me. 44. God. That's Lewis's number. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, just, I'm thinking Lewis is going to retire. Who's going to come in? A 44-year-old, Kimi Raikkonen. He's back again. Oh, I was Another thinking I'm going to have a Lewis Hamilton-themed birthday. Oh, okay. Oh, that would be good. And potentially problematic, depending on how you dress up. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> no, I was thinking more, I'm about to blow out the candles and someone dresses Max Verstappen comes and nicks it. <laughs> Jesus, Phil. In other news. Who's ready for Audi's big entry into F1 in 2026? Well, not Audi, if rumours are to be believed. In news that is not really very surprising at all, the German carmaker is apparently having second thoughts about F1 at the board level, what with it being very expensive and very difficult, as Toyota found out to their cost. It's buying Sauber and it's Alfa Romeo pyjamas, which gives it an existing F1 team to mould into its full works outfit, but, well, Sauber isn't very good at the moment and showing no real signs of getting better. And two and a half years isn't very long to make a shit F1 team good. So, could Audi turn and run? They could. They could. I don't necessarily think they will. I think Because it would look really bad. (laughs) Silver lining, this is Bottas' best chance to keep his seat. (laughs) 
he won't. No, if if Audi pull out and it carries on being an Alfa Romeo Sauber side project, back of the grid, that's Bottas's best chance. <laughs> I mean, I'm now second guessing myself because I'm thinking he won't because drivers will be falling over themselves to <clears throat> jump into a team with the backing of Audi. But then I look back at Toyota, who you know I think at the time were one of, if not the biggest car maker in the world. And I think of the drivers they had. And drivers were not falling over themselves to go to Toyota. Who do they have? Like Anthony Davidson and... Oh, no, it was a Scottish one. The rally driver. Alan McNish. Alan McNish. Yeah. Who, you know, is fine at WEC, but it's WEC. Nobody cares about that. All get letters. Was he a um, rally driver? No, don't think so. I'm thinking of Colin McRae, think so. aren't I? You're thinking Probably. of Colin McRae. Yes. Um, He's a rally driver. Is this, yeah, senior. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, how do you have to be careful, right? Because they've got a direct competitor in Mercedes who have a team that, even though they're not at the top of the top, are still very successful. So if they've got a team that week in, week out is falling way behind a team that at the name level is one of their direct competitors, it's not really going to help them at a marketing level that you want from sponsored works team right so if they if they're not competitive with mercedes you know ferrari they don't compete in the marketplace for with ferrari or anything like that so having two direct competitors like that you'd want to be very careful and they'd have to be very considerate about whether they want their name at the back of the grid if mercedes is near the front yeah but by that rationale there's no point in ever doing sport in case you lose this is what my daughter is finding at the moment my daughter doesn't want to do sports in case she doesn't win I'm with her. <laughs> but my thing is like, well, if you don't try, you'll never know. I'm happy not knowing, Dad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Actually, on a side note, right, uh, everyone in Miami has got a lot of money because they don't have to worry about tax or something. And one of my partner's relatives had an Audi. Ironically, I'm talking about a German car when I'm in America. But when you open the door... And you probably both know this because you're more in the modern world than I am. The Audi logo is projected onto the floor. It's called a puddle you light. Puddle lights. Yeah. yeah, they've been around for about ten years. I've not been in a car. <laughs> 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 yeah, they've got this device where you get in and it makes the air colder. It took me ages. I've heard to they're putting the, radios the... in now. Like there's all so... kinds of crazy stuff in cars. <clears throat> Listen, I'm still quite impressed by central locking <laughs> and the fact that the windows don't have to wind manually, so come on. Well, there you go. You've learned um, it's called a puddle light because it eliminates the puddle, so when you step out in the dark, you don't put your foot straight into a puddle. Yeah. But does it have to be the logo? I, I don't think it's the light that bothers me. It's the fact it doesn't that it's have to be. the logo. Sometimes they have slogans. Mm. Oh, God. like That would annoy me. A Mustang has a little horse. There you go. Oh, no, you see. If you could customise your own, I think I'd be more down with it. I'd quite like it if it was just the word... Terry's side here. If it was just the word puddle, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) That would be quite a cool aftermarket. I'd be up for that. (laughs) Okay, fine. Well, I thought thought that was impressive, my car fact. Okay. Sure. No, it's impressive. It's fine. Separate aircon knobs in the back, so you could control your own... Yeah, multi-zone climate control. My Kia what has that. Proving, <laughs> what this is proving, Phil, is I have not read anything you've ever written. <laughs> or been in <laughs> many cars. Much, I haven't written much in the last few years. Um, Audi, then. 
<laughs> I think they might be scared of the criticism, the scathing criticism they're going to get from from us. What uh, if? No, I, All right, I, hear me out. 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 What if the Formula One cars had these puddle lights? <laughs> Actually, I will, I saw a promo for the Las Vegas race, and it was a Mercedes doing donuts or something on the strip. I think it was a Mercedes, maybe it was in a Red Bull car. It was an F1 car, and it had like you remember neons from Fast and the Furious, yeah, where they had like the no, LED lights I underneath the car and it's shined down on the thing. I was like, I'd forgotten about those. They'd installed them on the F1 car to do the demo run. So I was like, night races, put neons on it. That'll look great. That would look pretty badass. Do it. Bring them back. It's about time they came back, and I want to start seeing OEM factory fitted neons on cars. And I'm really surprised, actually, thinking about it, that m- nobody's done it yet. Oh no, they could actually say neons. Neons is like a term for when you install lights underneath the car and it sort of beams down on the road as you drive it along and it looks sort of like you're riding on an air of neon cushion bottles. But they're not actually neon lights. Yeah. I mean, they they are. High-powered LEDs. I mean, they're LEDs. In neon colours. That's what I mean. Because neon lights It was made made famous in the popular movie franchise The Fast and the Furious. Mm. I haven't seen any of those. I mean, you're not missing much. Just watch Tokyo Drift. No. The weirdest (laughs) thing about being in Miami is, it took me two days to realise this, is that you're basically walking around Grand Theft Auto. Vice City. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought the same when I went to LA. Um, San Andreas. And walked around LA. And it's, it's, yeah, is it San Andreas? Whatever the city is there. And it's, yeah, it's like, this is weird. I feel like I know where I'm going. Yeah, it's unnerving, isn't it? And at one point, there were these two either high or drunk people like homeless people shouting give me the bag and i kept thinking oh this is my oh I'll, I'll, it's a mission <laughs> you ran up and punched the <laughs> prostitute and, <laughs> yeah, and then stole the car <laughs> his money falls on the floor all the police are after me it's hilarious oh yes, and he right. ran over a load of monks and shouted garanga that's taking us back <laughs> to the first one anyway Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at for F1 sake or find us on Facebook where we are for F1 sake or email us at wrong at ff1s.com where you can also leave us a team review. Just email a voice note to wrong at ff1s.com. Alternatively, if you think we're right, well, then why not buy us a beer? We can't afford a John Lewis style campaign, but the alcohol really helps. That's what Andrew Cunningham did who says, thank you for sparing my ears an episode this week. Here's an extra donation for the great work. <laughs> oh, is this, is this our new technique for making more money out of this <laughs> godforsaken project? Is just not to do it and people will pay us to stay quiet. We yeah. make more money when we don't do a podcast. <laughs> Evidently. That's going to be uh, great at parties. What do you do when I don't do I a mean, podcast? <laughs> I make a living not podcast. <laughs> yeah. How's that going? Yeah, I make an absolute killing brilliant and thank you to these no no in that case i'm just gonna say i'm on strike rest of the podcast bye (laughs) all right andrew i'm afraid you're gonna have to cough up some more because we're (laughs) doing nothing else and thank you to these monthly donors paul hewings michael rigby marble 127 jennifer brightman michael perry greg hoffman donald griffin christopher beck and andy wallington i love you andy be like them and keep us just drunk enough to be funny and not too shit. Head to ff1s.com forward slash pint, pint, pint. F1 teams, open all the pits and let the cars on to the track. F1 teams, 
turn all of the lights off over every grid and let the tires burn. F1 teams, one last call for strategy, so finish your briefings and race. F1 teams, you might go round in circles, but you can't stay here. I know who I want to set the pace. I know who I want to make the chase. I know who I want to win the race, win the race. Phil, what was the song? I, I think it was Closing Time. Was that? That is Closing Time by Semi Sonic. Semi Sonic? Yeah. There's not enough Semi Sonic on this podcast. That's what I've always said. It was either this or one other song that they're famous for. Was it Secret Smile? Secret Smile, Smile yeah. the other one? Yeah. Is this no, another song that you no, don't no, know, no, Terry? I know those, yeah. Well, I mean, there's potential for Secret Smile for another one, I think. Oh, we'll, we'll I didn't I didn't recognise your version of it, but I... I, oh, I that might loud. be down to my singing, to be fair. It's pretty rude. I got it straight away. <laughs> to be honest, I'd kind of presumed I wouldn't know it because it's often, I don't know, Wu-Tang Clang or something. So I... Wu-Tang Clang. <laughs> <laughs> The Wu Tang Clangers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shaolin style. I'm a Good. mouse motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Red Bull. Even though Max Verstappen didn't get pole position, he did, of course, win both the sprint and the Grand Prix because that's what he does. And we shall say no more about it. Sergio Perez, meanwhile, wasn't as shit as he sometimes is. He didn't crash out at the first corner, but he did yet again fail to make the podium. Will this change any minds about him and whether he should be at Red Bull next year or even the next race? No. You know, it was the rate, the, channel, the battle with Alonso was, was fun, but he should be absolutely destroying Alonso in that car. And he didn't, and he couldn't, and he didn't. Did I read a complaint from a viewer? that we always talk about Perez and no one else. Yes. Fuck and that I, guy. I refrained. I'm re- <laughs> well, he's bought merch, so I didn't want to be too harsh to him. But Oh, uh, oh he bought a Perez t-shirt, did he? <laughs> we haven't done a Perez t-shirt. We haven't done a Perez t-shirt. Look, whoever you are. If you want a Stoffel Van Dorn t-shirt, we've still got some. Look. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish that wasn't true, but we do still sell Stoffel Van Dorn t-shirts. <laughs> Look, we can't talk about anyone else, but Perez is the biggest story of the year because he's in the best car and he's shit. But I don't want to talk about him. I want to instead <coughs> tell you what happened on my flight back from the holiday. Uh, oh. So imagine this. You're on a transatlantic flight. You're about three hours in. The lights are dimmed. You've had some. You've had a very big vodka that Lufthansa supplied. Like, like, you know, so big that you kind of go, this is disgusting. And you're asleep. You're a bit conked out. And suddenly you're woken up by a woman screaming, help, help, can somebody help me? And then there's pandemonium, all the lights turn on, and her partner is unconscious. And then they actually ask for a doctor. The, the, the announcer says, is there a doctor on board? Like, that actually happened. And then they, ask, then they ask for the stronger people of the plane to come and help carry this guy to the back, right? All while you're in the air. It's fucking terrifying. And the worst thing about that is I went up because... I'm not that strong, but, you know, I didn't want to look... You like are quite a, tall. I'm quite tall, exactly. I can use my height. And I couldn't push past people down the aisle to help, so I just stood there impotently going, oh, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, turns out he was all right, or 
died or something. But um, <laughs> the plane wasn't. Well, the plane wasn't redirected because we were still flying over the states at that point. So I figured we were going to get redirected, but we didn't. We carried on to Munich where the plane was landing, and you know, didn't smell bad when we got off. So I think we were fine. Good. So you're well. I'm, I'm glad it went well. I'm glad you volunteered to use your leverage just in case it was needed. But in a way, isn't that a bit like Sergio Perez's uh, <laughs> season? It's a little like Jesus, what? isn't it? <laughs> they, call, they called for a doctor of racing and he just sort of stood impotently around having little... I'm not Perez. The guy, the, guy, the guy... Oh, I see. Sorry. Perez. Perez. My, sorry, I've misunderstood your analogy. I'm so sorry. Uh, I, I, maybe he's going to die or maybe he's fine. I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll find out in 2024 when, when he turn up at testing and find if it's him in the car or Liam Lawson in a Perez helmet, which would actually be some great TikTok material. Can you imagine if that's how they announced Perez's replacement? Like when the Stig was Michael Schumacher. Oh, yes. No, very similar. Uh, anyway, no, Perez is still terrible. I mean, he was slightly less terrible this race, but still nowhere near as good as he should be. And somebody else should come in and drive next next week. No, year. McLaren. Very different fortunes for the McLaren drivers this week. While Lando Norris continued his return to dominance as the number one, finishing second in the Grand Prix and taking the sprint race pole, Oscar Piastri was off the pace and got clobbered at the start of the Grand Prix. This left him a lap down and unable to do much apart from battle with Ricardo. A battle he lost. Mm, well, we'll get to Ricardo because on the one hand, on the basis of the last race, battling Ricardo is like, ooh, that sounds pretty good, but yeah, maybe not. Um, it's been a while that I can remember since we've had a good old first lap pile-up, first corner pile-up. When was the last one? I can't think. I can't think when it was. We've had a couple of little come-ins together, but the last time we're like we've had like a chain reaction thing has been quite a while. I keep thinking of Grosjean at Belgium, and then I think actually that's probably like ten years ago. I was going to say a Belgian mind, Grand Prix from a couple of years ago, but I think it was a restart. The one with Bottas did, but I think that was a restart. Mm, yeah, I don't know, but it's been a while. Then but even then, Bottas like, in Mercedes is probably like seven years ago now. Wasn't it was it? three, three years ago at least, two years oh. ago, some years ago. It's all going so fast. How old your She's daughter now? An early grave. She's twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, she's marketing director at a blue chip company in Greenwich. Um, <laughs> I mean, Norris is on fire. Thankfully, not literally, but he's he's doing really well the last few races. Uh, but yeah, Piastri has gone a bit off the boil once again, proving that whenever we decide that somebody's great, they immediately turn out not to be uh, for at least for a bit. No, he's still good. I mean. It was, it he was, was a lap he down. He wasn't anywhere near. He wasn't. He, he was a lap. Well, well, yeah. We should probably talk about the whole lap down thing. So I got very confused. So that there was the thing happened, then a red flag, and sometimes lapped cars can unlap themselves, but th this time they couldn't, and no one really knows why. Is that right? Yeah. Well, the rules state that you can unlap yourself unless, for some reason, you can't. <laughs> I hope that clears it up. <laughs> and in this case, because they'd been hit by tires. They and come into pit, they couldn't unlap themselves, and therefore, when the race restarted, they had to wait a lap or something, and therefore, entirely <laughs> ruining their race and just having a battle between Ricardo and Piastri, which Ricardo won and Piastri lost, which is, I would say, unacceptable. Piastri, yeah, because as a grudge match, you know, you really got to show 
Ricardo, who's boss. Yeah, actually, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That is this the Battle of the Aussies, isn't it? Well, it's the Battle of the Aussies, the, isn't it? It's the, the Rumble the, Down Under. And it's the Battle the Thunder of Thunder Down Under. It's the Battle yeah. of the other McLaren seat. Oh. Double whammy. Oh, I wish I'd remembered that at the time. It would have made it a lot more exciting. I'd completely forgotten about that. That's what I could I think of. I just didn't put two and two together. But um, anyway, well, Ricardo won. So does that mean he gets to drive for McLaren now? I don't think he wants to, does he? It means he's Ron Dennis for the week. Ron Dennis <laughs> is now. Like, you know how all these old musicians are selling the rights to their back catalogue? Ron Dennis has done the same with his life. So you get to <laughs> it's basically he's a timeshare now. So. I don't think I can imagine anyone more different to Ron Dennis than Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, mate. <laughs> That's not good. Can you imagine Ron Dennis trying to drink from a shoe? I don't think Ron Dennis would have let Daniel Ricciardo in the building if he'd have still been there when he signed for McLaren. Uh, I actually, yeah, you're probably right. Aston Martin. After an absolute clusterfuck in the race, Aston Martin finally got their shit together in Brazil, as Ray Glennon can attest. Aston Martin. You have to imagine that Esteban Ocon has been looking for an excuse to just smash right into Fernando all year long, and so he finally took it during the sprint showdown shindig thingy. And despite a mediocre result in the sprint, both Alonso and Stroll put on a tremendous show in the GP itself, with the team's best collector result since the Australian GP back in April. So that's certainly good news to all fans of the Silverstone team, but probably crushing news for their newly re-signed reserve driver and F2 champion Felipe Drugovic, who actually is from Brazil and who probably just watched his chances for a race seat next year fly away from him. Well, did he... I mean, one good race does not Lance Stroll redeem, I would say. Uh, I'd say the opposite. I'd say Daddy Stroll just needs one good race to be like, no, he's my boy. No, you're staying. You can't leave. You know what they say about Mr. and Mrs. Stroll? They love a good racing son. I was going to do a joke about the craze for some reason. Then I I, I bottled (laughs) out halfway through, but I'd already started speaking. You've done the accent and everything. Oh, he loved, they, they loved their mums. <laughs> Hang on, no, they only had one mum. They're the twins. They had one <laughs> Oh, they loved their mums. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> it's, like, it's like watching Tom Hardy all over again <laughs> in that film where he was both of them. Um, I watched that quite recently. Yeah, I did as well. It was all right. All right, apart from the bit where they totally uh, gloss over the kind of sexual abuse and stuff. Yeah, but isn't that Hollywood these days? This was pre pre Weinstein, wasn't it? Weinstein. Probably made by Wine. What's his name? Worst, worst thing that happened to me recent. No, no, hang on, that's bad. That's a bad segue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was, I was auditioning for a film, and uh, <laughs> I was watching Paddington, which is a good film. I think we can all agree. I was going to say it's not that bad. It's a good film. If you watch it now, with modern 2023 eyes, what's weird is one of the first credits that comes up, it says, produced by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> like, oh, Paddington, well, not you. How do you think Paddington it? got that role? Shit, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Had to make his own marmalade sandwich. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't know who disgusting. we are anymore. <laughs> I think you're a bad influence on all of us. Which is why the podcast couldn't go ahead without you, Terry. 
Exactly. I don't think I'm a bad influence as such as I bring out the worst in you. You're like a mirror, a dark mirror. But I, I rarely say the things. I just imply them. <laughs> you just you just put them in our brains. and You're like Darren Brown making people rob banks. You will. Did you steal my money? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, what was, I forgot everything. I forgot everything that Ray said, but it sounded quite insightful. He was right. He was bloody right, wasn't he? Anyway, look, Fernando Alonso is fucking good. He did very well. Lance Stroll, to be honest, the car's better. He's he, he's not a honest, bad. Honest day. This is it. Honest day. Lance Stroll is actually all right. It's just that he doesn't have many days. I feel like he's one of those drivers who um, just needs the car to be perfect, and he's really good, which is, you know... But he also needs his mind to be right, I think, even his, more than that. And his wrists. Sure, yeah, he needs to not have broken hands. Oh, uh, back to the craze. That's where that came from. <laughs> oh, it'd be a shame if someone was driving to your hands, wouldn't it, little sunny boy? Oh, it all comes around, doesn't it? Yeah. Like laps. <laughs> Ferrari! Over to our brand new correspondent, Ooh. Joshua Stewart. Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, that sums it up. I think that yeah, was like the end of accurate. Thriller. I've got to say this this year as a as a kind of you know what what would we call ourselves? We're podcasters, but analysts. Uh, reactionaries, nah. dickwads, mm. but pot stirrers, pot stirrers. It's hard. It's hard to. The problem. I'm going back to that complaint about we always talk about Perez because the problem with this year is that the rest of the grid is so topsy turvy that it's kind of hard to have a narrative. The narrative is obviously Max Verstappen is blitzing everything, and the next narrative is oh Mercedes are good. Oh they're shit. Oh McLaren. Are good. Oh they're shit. Oh Ferrari. Are good. Oh they're shit. Oh Aston Martin. Are good. Oh they're shit. And the only constant is that Perez is somehow underwhelming, oh, so shit. <laughs> despite being in the best car, with competition that is all fucking over the place. Which, if anything, I think probably even more so highlights what a good job Verstappen is doing with Red Bull. Because it's not enough just to be in a Red Bull, as Perez has proved. Like, I mean, Red Bull are doing really well. They've clearly made a really good car. But only Verstappen seems to be able to get the most out of it pretty much every race, Singapore yeah. aside. Um, if anything, the, yeah, the the fact that, as you say, everybody else is all over the bloody shop, like it's complete lottery which which race who's going to do well at which race, and even if even if you do manage to get it right two or three in a row, it won't last. Alpine Esteban Ocon proved he's incapable of taking blame for his own actions when he spanned into Alonso in sprint qualifying, but in fairness, he managed to score a point in the main race, albeit a long way behind Pierre Gasly, who finished seventh. Has Gasly now established more of a claim to the number one status at Alpine? It's back to the same thing again, isn't it? It's it's up and down all over the place. Earlier in the season, I'd say Ocon was wiping the floor with him, but now now Ocon's been silly. And the, did you see the crash with Alonso in sprint qualifying, sprint I'm, shootout, whatever it's called? I'm going to say yes. Okay, so basically, what happened? Alonso was driving around quite slowly. Ocon was on his hot lap, and it was going into turn. Yeah, yeah, the last yeah, turn, wasn't four. it? Five. No, it was near the start of the lap, I think. Anyway, it was one of the turns. It was a left-hand turn. And um, Ocon came barreling in. And Alonso was... He wasn't on the racing line, but he also wasn't over as far as he could be. And if Ocon had taken the corner properly, he would have just zoomed through and nothing would have happened. But as it was, he got a massive snap of oversteer. 
corrected it, and then promptly ploughed into Alonso, took his front wheel off. Uh, and then Ocon proceeded to claim that it was entirely Alonso's fault, which, having watched it back several times, I would say was absolute bullshit. Um, because he basically lost the car and crashed into him. Yeah, I'm just watching it now. There's not much Alonso could do, is there? I mean, he could, in theory, yeah. have been slightly further over and given him more room, but he, he had enough room to drive through it if he was not losing control as he went past. Well, he could, in theory, say. have retired a few years ago and not been on the track at that point, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's not his fault. And I think that's what, that's what Ocon was getting at, I think. <laughs> Why did your parents have sex? <laughs> uh, didn't we talk about this a few episodes ago, like, in terms of drivers who just will not take responsibility for their own actions versus drivers that will like there's a lot of the top drivers generally if they fuck they'll hold their hands up and say i've fucked it i'm really sorry i'll try not to do it again leclerc made quite a lot of mistakes but he generally says i'm sorry that was my fault most of the other top drivers i think piastri particularly who's learning said you know i'm not happy with how i did I'll, i'll get better but some of the lower drivers ocon and the one that sticks in my mind was jolian palmer when he was racing would never ever take blame for anything bad that happened he would always try and blame something else or somebody else i think palmer was interesting because it was always about he was about to lose his drive so it's almost like he couldn't take blame for anything because that might be the thing that got him fired even though he was shit but it makes me think like one of my often one of my favorite segments of this year has been how would i do at various jobs in formula one and <laughs> i think i take the blame too easily <laughs> and i think i would Basically, I'm a people pleaser, I've learned. So, um, another holiday story. I was talking to this American man, and we were talking about traffic, because it's Miami, there's a lot of traffic, because they will drive everywhere. And I was saying how Berlin has a good train system, and I used to live in London, which has a good train system. And this guy said to me, oh, and of course, in London, you've got all those highways underground. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my response wasn't what you just did, say what? I just agreed with him and went, yeah, I suppose we do have that. <laughs> oh, yeah, all the all damn and underground highways motorways. that London's got. Yeah, we've got loads of them. Oh, my God. It's what? horrible down there, but, you know. Well, like the Blackwall Tunnel. It basically, the Blackwall Tunnel was just all of London. But And I realised that I would just I would take the blame for every crash, even if I wasn't driving that day. <laughs> I'm sorry. Then you make a good race engineer, because they just get shouted at and blamed a lot, and they just have to go, yeah. yeah. No, I'd be a terrible race engineer because I would lose my fucking temper. <laughs> <laughs> Stop bucking around. You'd talk to Max in the braking zone on purpose every time, every lap, every oh, time. I would love that. I would love that. I just, just, <laughs> he's, just as the GPS say, he's saying he's feathering the brake, I'd be like, oh, oh, no, no, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't talking boogity, to boogity, you, Max. Boogity, 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 boogity. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Do you want a cup of tea? <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh. Anyway, yeah, uh, that's why Ocon's not been a world champion. I mean, he's a race winner. Oh, everyone's a race winner sometime, Phil. Mercedes. A proper shite day at Mercedes this was. With more, here's Don Janacek. Mercedes. In a performance that Toto referred to as inexcusable, Sir Lewis began in P3 only to end in eighth. After the recent debacle in Mexico, it was quite the gut punch for him. Russell began in fifth, but overheated and ended up with a DNF for his trouble. Mercedes has yet to win a race this season, and if it fails to do so in the final two races, it will be the team's first year without a victory since 2011. Wow, that's a good stat. Yeah. Uh, 
I remember a couple of races ago they brought these big upgrades and thought they were going to be good again. Hasn't worked. They still don't know what their card are doing. They don't know how to fix it. Yeah, it's confusing, isn't it? Because it did seem like they'd really nailed it. Nailed it, and now they don't, and they don't seem to know why. And they were really good at Brazil last year and won the race, so no one knows what's going on. Yeah, I think both Toto and Hamilton, and let's be honest, probably Russell, said they couldn't wait to be out of the car this year. But the trouble is, if they don't know why it's not working, is next year's car going to be any better? Yeah. Like, you've got to know why it's wrong to make a better one. I agree. doesn't sound like they do. Two races left. I mean, let's... But next year's car must be pretty much ready by now, or at least close to. So, I I don't have high hopes for Mercedes next year now. No, I f- I kind of feel like they're on the way down. Perfect time Which for Audi to come in. Could they be the new Williams? I think That's- they're just. Well, this is actually okay. This is a really interesting point, isn't it? Because we we like to shit on Williams and even McLaren in recent years and all the rest of it for being grand teams that have fallen down and they're not as good as they used to be when we were kids. Yada yada yada. But the difference with Mercedes is they're not a Formula One team made out of Formula One love. They're a, even if the ownership is a bit more like the old way. Mercedes are a big corporate company, and, and Drew, like you were saying about Audi earlier on, you know, if they are. If they're if they're a bit shit for three or four seasons in a row, they can still sell cars on the fact that they've they're eight times constructors champions and Lewis Hamilton and blah blah blah. Yeah. So is it worth them staying in? And then we get to the point on the day that David Cameron has been confirmed as a fucking foreign minister, who, <sighs> like all recent politicians, the second they lose just goes, I'm out of here. And uh, it just feels like Mercedes might just pull the plug unexpectedly in a couple of years because what's the point in languishing around being a bit shit? So at least let's give Williams and McLaren the credit they're due of they they stayed shit for years. <laughs> they haven't got any options. It's Makes like, you proud to be British. <laughs> yeah, this oh well McLaren now has some cars to sell, but I, I it's so inextricably linked to their racing, I don't think that their brand as cars is strong enough for them to not be an F one or racing discuss. Have I made that up? Uh hmm. I think that there's probably still enough cachet in their their supercar. I mean, what they've been going for fourteen years now, making supercars. Sounds about right. Yeah, and is that enough? Yeah, I think they, they still rely on that F1 heritage with cars like the Senna and stuff like that. That even just name wise is, is 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 heritage. But the fact is, the cars that they make, they're far more likely to get benefit from taking part in something like the hypercar series for WEC or something like that, the Le Mans. That might be a, a place that's more relevant. I don't think that their connection to F1, in the same way that Lotus doesn't need their connection to F1 to still be able to sell Lotuses. I don't think McLaren needs that anymore. There was a time when Lotus needed it, and there was a time when McLaren needed it, and I don't think either of them need it anymore. Well, Lotus didn't need it because if they left, there were several other teams called Lotus. That <laughs> yeah, um, there were a few. Well, I think, I think that settles it then. So McLaren, I think, are definitely going to leave F1. You heard it here first. Perfect. And Mercedes might as well. Who knows? But yeah, it's 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 shit for them. Um, I hope it's not the start of them going downhill because they are the team that I sort of was banking on to take the fight to Red Bull over the next few years, but uh, they're not really doing it at the moment. Alpha Tauri. Come back, Liam Lawson. All is forgiven. Yes, we know we told you to fuck off back to New Zealand last week after Danny Ricardo remembered how to drive, but he's Back to being shit again now, so we need you. 
Ricardo, to be fair to him, only finished down in 13th because his car was clobbered and damaged by a piece of tyre following his first lap crash. But even before then, he wasn't any faster than Sonoda, who was way past the stage of being considered any good. Are we being too harsh on the washed-up Australian? No. <laughs> so. yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm all right with it. It was, it was one race where he shined. Yeah, that, that was his Monza win at McLaren last time. And now he's back to being, eh. You know, it wasn't a bad performance by him, but the fact that he's not wiping the floor with Tsunoda, who I think, can we now agree that Tsunoda is never going to be that good? He's, what, three seasons in now, is he? And he's still just, like, nowhere, really. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm sick of it. What, F1? No, I'm just sick of talking about Ricardo. I mean, uh, what are we going to do? Talk about Perez? <laughs> we'll get tweets. <laughs> You know, he's uh, just. I, I, uh, I think he's done. I think he's done. Saying it, he's done. Yeah, I'm kind of. I'm. I'm getting to that point now. I think. I feel he'll like... stick around because his personality. He's like the sort of the anti Raikkonen, and I think he'll stay around for a while because teams will be like, oh, we'll get we'll get PR value out of him. Yeah, I feel like he'll he'll do next year probably in AlphaTauri. He'll settle for being a midfield driver. He might even do a couple of seasons for Avatar. He'll probably do a couple of seasons and then there'll be some hot new thing and he'll just be unceremoniously ditched and none of us will care. He might end up being like a sort of demonstration driver for Audi. Oh, do you think he'll do like the, the Magnussen route and the Hulkenberg and like end up driving for Haas or something like that? Or, or be a super sub or something. Yeah, the Haas equivalent in a few years. You know, one of those drivers that never leaves F1 with dignity. I think that's what we found with him. <laughs> Says the man who used to drink out of a shoe. <laughs> At his best, he was drinking out of a shoe, like a hobo. That was the, that was the highlight of his career. <laughs> it only went downhill from there. He's just soaking stuff out, up in his underwear now and just like squeezing it into his mouth. Yeah, if he drinks from a shoe when he's winning, what does yeah. he do when he loses? We never see it on the TV because they've got the cameras elsewhere, but after the podium celebration is finished, Ricardo just clambers up on the podium and sort of rubs his pants in the champagne and squeezes it into his mouth. Except he get, it gets caught on the bottle cam. <laughs> Like, a, <laughs> like an episode of Autumn Watch. <laughs> oh. I'd love it if they did like a through the keyhole at his house and they opened up the kitchen cabinets and instead of glasses, he's just got various shoes. And that's just all his crockery, his footwear. It's all he's got to eat out of. Yeah, other driver's shoes. <laughs> Used shoes. Oh, this is a good one. This is a Max Verstappen 2012. Um, oh, he wasn't driving then. That's way too long. He wasn't even born then. What am I saying? Williams. Logan Sargent nearly scored another point, although only after six cars retired and two more were forced to race a lap down, so he's still surely out of the job next year. Alex Albon was banjaxed by a Haas at the start and that was the end of that. It's kind of hard to know how the team went when only their bad driver managed to race. This is the problem with having a shit driver, is that what are they going to learn out of that? Do they, are you going to know how good your car is when only your terrible driver managed to complete the race properly? Mm. I'm not sure you are. <sighs> Terry, <laughs> analysis. <laughs> what? So glad Terry's back. <laughs> <coughs> if you take Albon... I'm trying to work out what I feel now. Because if you take Albon out of the team, like, like the crash did this time... Are Williams? Is, is it a bit of the Max Verstappen? Is, is Albon better than the car? 
Or is Sergeant worse than the car? Oh, Sergeant's worse than the car, I oh, think. Oh, good. Okay, nice. Well, I don't know... I don't know if we're going as far as Albon is better than the car, but I think Albon is pretty close to getting the most out of the car. I think if you have a car that does well and Albon does well, then you know that the car is good. But I think if you have a race where it goes badly, but only Logan Sargent is driving, I don't think you're sure that it's the car or Sargent. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. If they have a bad result and only Sargent's driving, I'm not sure they know what to, or who to blame. And therefore you can't learn anything. Therefore you can't make the team better. Therefore Doralton Capital will be very angry. Anyway, I hate Logan Sargent because he scored one point this year and <laughs> it's, it's at this point of the year when I really struggle to write the standings. So just to have one other <laughs> in the list, just fuck off. <laughs> Isn't he from Miami? Logan Sargent. Did I imagine that? I don't know. Florida? No. He seems like he probably is from Florida. Let me check. He's from Fort Lauderdale, just mm. up the road. Oh, fact. Another holiday fact is I went to Key West, which is lovely. Oh, but Key. If you if you don't know Key, so Key West is the the Keys. It's all the way a down. Series of islands. There's like a thousand islands, and right at the last one, it kind of traces the line of you trace the line of Florida. It kind of some islands like a little kind of. It's kind of it's stops. it's the drips off the end of America's wang, isn't it? Pretty yeah. much, yeah. And the last one, Key West, is only about 60 miles from Cuba, ironically. And th- we, we talked about going there, and I thought, let's get a boat or something. The Americans have built a fucking whopping big road through all these fucking islands. Yeah. <laughs> not, map. It's been in loads no, of movies. Road. They keep blowing it up in action movies. It's great. I don't watch those kind of movies. I watch sad films. You've never seen tr- is it True Lies? It's is in True Lies. It's also one of the yeah. Mission Impossible films. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I watched the latest one of those yesterday. Eh, silly. Exactly. Speaking of America and Florida, last you know film Logan I Sargent's saw, last film I saw was in the cinema was Paris, Texas, because I'm a wanker. Oh. Last one I saw was uh, Paw Patrol: The Mighty Movie. <laughs> <laughs> ah, what a Vin Vendors finest film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've got superpowers now. It's amazing. <laughs> um, do you know what Logan Sargent's middle name is? Um, Major. <laughs> <laughs> Trump, Donald. Oh, you are not actually a million miles away with that first answer. Trump. His middle name is Hunter. Oh. Mm. Uh, I will add my son's middle name is Hunter. What's on his laptop? Yeah. Well, we'll wait for him to be disappointing at Williams in a few years. Then. <laughs> oh, I would. I would be totally fine with him being a disappointing Formula One driver. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I would be I would perfectly that. happy with that. Imagine just being the kind of dad that goes, "I'm just happy he's here." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be me. You're I'd be show, like anti you're just Showing your kid, just showing your kid videos of Taki Anui as he grows up, going, "This is what you're aiming for." It's just like every race is like, "I can't believe you get paid to do this. This is awesome." <laughs> I don't care where you start. <laughs> I'm just the happy whole to point be of here. your the whole point of your career is that the pod the, the, a podcast doesn't know what happened to you in the race. <laughs> <laughs> just don't be a podcaster whatever you do good Haas is it possible over to our Haas correspondent Jamie McNaught Haas 
because there were so many bloody different times and races to confuse my poor old brain, I turned on at the second lap, so I'm going to go from there. Magnuson. Oh. Nope. Never mind. Um, Hockenberg. Hmm. Hmm. Well, he kept Danny Rick and Piastri at bay for some reason. I'll never know. Good on him. Uh, well, let's have a quick look if they fared any better in the sprint. Nope. Never mind. Here's the next season. Nothing to add, really. I don't know what it is about this uh, feature we do where we get correspondence. And I don't know if it's either my brain or the things I've said on the podcast for the last seven or eight years. But I just imagine every, all of the people that are leaving us messages are doing it whilst wanking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that fits in with the general oeuvre of the show, isn't it? I mean, I am now. I've, oh, I've just finished. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. I rarely make it to the state of F1. <laughs> Well, you're not superhuman. State of my uh, t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> the state of the underside of your desk. Oh. <laughs> I've got a standing desk. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Jamie. <laughs> I think you summed it up pretty nicely, so to speak. Alfa Romeo. They both retired. I don't remember anything about them. Anyone? Anyone? No. Their parents are proud. That's all we know. Sure. <laughs> yes, that's probably true. Mr. Bottas and Mr. Joe are probably like, ah, I've made some money. All of which takes us not to the standings. No, it takes us to our bonus feature to apologise for the late arrival of this podcast, which is our special Las Vegas preview. Play the jingle! <laughs> so, there's a new race. It's in Nevada, which is in the United States of America. And it's a return to the city of Las Vegas, which last hosted an F1 race in a car park in 1982. But this one is a much bigger deal, taking place on the 3.8 mile street circuit that winds its way past some of Vegas's major sites, including the Strip, the MSG Sphere, and lots of overweight people blowing their savings in a casino. Let's see what our always astute listeners have to say about it in our return to Listener's Corner. Patrick Brennan says, how many drivers will have special helmet designs out there and who will have the worst one? Nick Peppel says, the biggest wager happening in Las Vegas next week, will I fall asleep before Verstappen has his 30 second gap to second? Phil Pip Matthews says, Ferrari have a new livery, which seems to be inspired by the 1987 Zack Speed. Maybe they're hoping this will boost performance to those dizzying heights? Tim Renler says, what is Las Vegas going to bring? Lots of lights, a dull race, and I'm going to guess now there will be 56 crofty jokes about casinos and fast weddings. Stuart Forsyth says, it's going to make Miami look normal. It's a nonsense track at a ridiculous location designed purely for celebrities to say that they were at Vegas, baby, without a second's thought to be given to the racing. <sighs> Let's go through those. Helmet designs, who will have the first one? Mm, Verstappen will have the worst one. I think. Or no, I th Logan Sargent. I, no, I think Lewis I think might have a quite tacky one. Yeah. Yeah, Hamilton goes for quite tacky. He hasn't got a good eye for design. Really? Oh, I thought his were at least, you know, where you stand with Hamilton. He, was like, he, was, <clears throat> he just pays somebody who's quite good at design to do it. Yeah, but it's no. always, you know, lots of shadows and colours. Um, Isn't that just design? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just generalising, but you know, you know, what I mean, it's all like it's very, it's, it's, there's just there's a lot on his helmets. There's a lot. 
and that's too much. Too much. Too much. You need space. You need space for the helmet to breathe. Is what you're saying? Exactly. And I think you're going to be surprised at this. I think Ricardo's going to have the best one because he likes a bit oh, of see, minimalist I simplicity. I think he's going to go a bit. I think he's going to go a bit over the top with it. Wasn't it Ricardo? The, the and James in fairness, Hunt it one? is Vegas. No, that was uh, Raikkonen. He'll have the best helmet design then. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be there just walking up and down the paddock in his normal clothes, but wearing a James Hunt helmet. Perfect. Um, yeah, I, I'm. Uh, well, I, I, we have at least had already had two American races, including the Texas one. So maybe no, it's Vegas. It'll be gaudy. If somebody can get lights in their helmet, I think that will win the award. It'll be horrible. Everything's going to be horrible about it. It's going to be a horrible race. Everything's horrible. Hate Vegas. There's going to be that massive sphere in the background. That does look pretty cool, though. I mean, the stuff they can do with that, I'm quite impressed with it. If you're going to blow $1.2 billion, you might as well do it on a massive, great TV screen on a ball. So it's technically impressive, and yet would you want to be anywhere near that fucking thing? When they were talking about building one in Stratford, (laughs) upon Avon. Stratford upon Avon (laughs) or in London? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Have you, has anyone been to Vegas? Many times. A, few, a, a, a lot of people have. Yeah, it's a fucking shithole. <laughs> it, it depends what you I do with it. I did not care for it at all. I've, I've been a couple of times on holiday and I've been many times for work. And Oh, you've been a couple of times on holiday, enough to go back. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did one kind of visit on my own and then I went back with my wife a couple of years later and we did New Year's uh, uh, there. And wow. it, it's fun for a short break and you can have a lot of fun there. And I think it's a, it's probably as legitimate a place to put a, a Grand Prix than anywhere else. At least it's not in the car park. Like, at least yeah, that's the, true. Um, I... What's the last one? 82? It said in the script 82. 82. Yeah, the Caesars Palace Grand Prix in 1982. Wasn't it 83? I thought it was 82. Ooh. I'm perfectly willing to be wrong. There was one time on this podcast where we were wrong. I, uh, I think it was sometime in 2017. I just think I because think. I saw it on a map where they compared the 83 to the 2023. So I might be wrong, but I thought it was 83, not 82. It was a while ago. Let's it was a while ago. But yeah, the, you look at the footage of that or the pictures of it and it, it looks like it's in a car park, in which case it could be anywhere. But yeah. it's going to be at, in, at night, right? In the dark? So oh, yeah. It, this is going to be at Vegas. There's yeah. going to be no mistaking where this is. Yeah. And properly down like the north end of the strip where all the nice hotels are. Um, it has the potential to have some razzmatazz. Because a night, a night race, a city circuit kind of just looks like fencing um and mm. and it's only the the big wide shots so they've got a real opportunity to make it look in those helicopter I mean, shots i still look. think they'll somehow contrive to still make it look like just fencing except there'll be a couple of little things poking up in the background uh, did i read they're turning the bellagio fountains off it's like no keep them on the, make them what, bigger keep them up yeah i mean they uh, should take them down what's the spray what's the, water what's onto the, the track yeah what's the big street that where it's all covered over the top and they have the graphics over the oh top that of the is um uh, i can't remember what uh, it's called God. Okay, yeah, it's where the golden nugget is, is and it's uh, yeah, exactly. <sighs> they should take it down there. That'd be good. There's no mistake in that, but they won't because they're cowards. Well, it's too small. It's it's quite a it's quite a narrow. Too small. Have you been to Monaco? It's tiny. <laughs> the last race was in a car park. <laughs> Come on, that's Fremont Street. D- that's it. Fremont that's where they should have the DRS zone. Yes, Fremont Street. And if you've got DRS, the the screens above light up in like a strobe light or something. <laughs> Imagine having a strobe. That would be amazing. Oh, they should trace the drivers as they go down. 
Brilliant. They light it up like they're doing the athletics at the moment. You know, in the athletics at some of the more the bigger athletics tracks, they have like the world record pace and lights around the outside of the track, so you can see if they might break the world record. You, they so they'd be that. they'd be chasing it like a dog chasing yeah. a hare. Uh, yes. the dog track. They should have also a hare. <laughs> they did that at, the, at Suzuka, remember, with Senna, with speakers. <laughs> Yes, they did. Sorry, mm. I thought you meant they had a hair yeah. there and Senna had to chase it and I the would watch that. That would be pretty cool if you had the fastest lap. Like, every time you crossed the line, you were chasing the fastest lap. It would be like having uh, the ghost turned on in um, in a racing game, in Gran Turismo or something. Something to race against. Yes, exactly. Yes, that would be great. They could probably do that. They should do that. They should do that anyway I'm, for the TV. Overlay the kind I'm, of the ghost of where the previous or fastest lap was. This is a race that I'm sort of looking forward to because it's an event. Because it, a it's on at six in the bloody morning, so it'll be sort of like Japan where you had to get up and you're still in your dressing gown and you've got a cup of coffee and you're not quite sure what's going on and watching the race. But also because I don't think it's going to be a good race, but I think it's going to be quite spectacular. It's I'm hoping it's going to be a better version of the first time they went to Austin, when you know they sort of tried a bit of American razzmatazz and it was different. It was shit, but it was different. This is actually going to be the, some of that. This is going to be the perfect race for me because I have to do a. Deutsche Welle news work shift on Sunday and I start at 7am which is when the race starts so I'm just going to get to work and watch the race it's perfect ah. oh you have to go into the office for 7 I have to go in the office for 7 Ooh. but I live in Berlin Gosh. the office is like next door or something I don't know it's like oh, okay. 20 it's minutes away or something. It's, a, it's a tiny place Mm. I know. We all I know I am, is we've I, we've seen terrible races at great tracks so I'm I'm well up for seeing what the spectacle I mean, could be I don't think it's a great track. I've had a. I've, I, I looked at the onboard today from like the computer game. No, that's it what doesn't I'm, look great. That's what I mean. I think the track could be crap. But I mean, we've seen great tracks also have bad races. So I'm just interested yeah. to see what they bring to it. Uh, yeah, I'm intrigued. It's somewhere new, and it's they're clearly they've thrown a ton of money at it. You know, um, they've got the they've got this like 240 million dollar pit building that they've built, like a permanent pit building. God knows what they're going to do for the rest of the year, but it's there. And a, and it's got a, a 28,000 foot video screen on its roof in the shape of the F1 logo. It's a permanent pit building. Yeah. I didn't know that. Wait a minute. The screen's in the shape of the F1 logo. Yeah. And it's on the roof of the pit building. So you can only see it from planes. So, but, so the rest of the year, they're going to be showing what? Films or something badly <laughs> cropped. <laughs> they're going to be showing Sky Sports 1 F1 featurettes. Ugh. Yeah, two hundred and forty million dollars they spent just on that. I and the, you know, oh, it'll be a thing. <laughs> it'll be fun or awful. I'm unenthusiastic about Las Vegas in every guise, apart from the first oh, hangover as am I. film. Apart from the first hangover film, leaving Las Vegas and Viva Las Vegas. Don't give a shit. <laughs> No, I mean, you know, I, I went once because I thought I should probably visit it while I was in America <clears throat> and I did not care for it at all. But it was, it was something. It was a thing. It was different. Great. And, you know, that, that could be fun. It's, yeah. It'll be interesting seeing the car race past places and I go like, oh, which of these corners that it's going past have I vomited on? Because <laughs> there's no other Maybe city where I can the drivers will that. be as well. Maybe Esteban Ocon <laughs> will be reliving your time in... Uh, in Las Vegas, we should also briefly talk about the fact that when they when they decided to go there, the, apparently pretty much everyone in F one didn't realise that in November in the desert, which Las Vegas is in, it gets quite cold at night. Oh yeah, and everybody's suddenly going, "Oh shit, it's gonna!" Like at some point, at one point, they were talking about it could be as low as three degrees for the race. 
yeah. and even now they're thinking well maybe 10 degrees which is a little bit chilly compared to most of the uh most of the races they go to apparently some people even at, at the last uh wherever it was whenever the last desert was they were desert race they were talking about it being qatar levels of hot at vegas to which all the americans were going um no it's going to be really chilly so pirelli are going to have fun trying to keep those tires working well, this race might be good then, because that's the only thing I've heard so far that gives me any excitement, is that the, the <laughs> tyres are going to be so cold they're going to crack. <laughs> they're just going to be skittering about all over the place like it's on ice. And no. Vegas, I mean, what's more Vegas than F1 on ice? <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> like Cirque du Soleil. be great. All of which takes us to the standings with Terry Saunders. So, because I was on holiday and we missed the last episode because I was on holiday, I thought I'd uh, do the drivers out of office messages if they were on holiday? So Max Verstappen will his message says set off an orange flare and I will find you. Um, Sergio says I'm only zooming on the track because <laughs> I bet Perez is someone who has like you know yeah. quotes on his wall. Live laugh love. Not, though, is he? <laughs> uh, Lewis Hamilton says my dog has an email address. Um, Fernando Alonso says, I don't take time off, call me. Uh, Lando says, chat me on Discord. Carlos Sainz says, the smooth operator is offline, baby. Um, Shadow Clerk says, my computer broke. Um, George Russell says, all my ha- mail is forwarded to Hamilton, and I write myself a lot of emails complaining about Hamilton. Uh, Oscar Piastri's out of office is just that funny tweet he did once. Uh, Lance Stroll says, if you're, if time is money, your email just cost me a fiver. Um, Pierre Gassi says, it's your fault I'm away. Espen Ocon says, no, it's his fault. Uh, Alexander Alvin says, don't write anything down. It's not safe here. Uh, Yuki Sonoda says, I'm not old enough for an email address. Valtteri Bottas still has it a Mercedes email, but it's only mailing lists on there, really. Um, you won't like me when I'm offline. Nico Hogenberg does a Hulk reference. I'm badgering off, says Ricardo. Out of office is blank is Joe Ganyu because don't know anything about him. Uh, you've reached Kevin Magnussen, suck my balls. Remember me, anyone is Liam Lawson and uh, Logan Sargent's is just a URL to his LinkedIn page. And because of the Miami Grand Prix, no, no, it wasn't, was it? It was Brazil. Because I was in Miami for the Brazilian Grand Prix, I thought I'd do 10 facts about Miami. Um, <laughs> Miami gets its name from the tribes that lived there. They were called the Miami. Um, that's race, Red Bull. A woman founded the city. These are bad facts, by the way. I, it was like, I did my usual thing of page seven of Google. Um, it's known as Magic City for a good reason, is one of the facts. And then the fact goes on to not explain why it's called Magic City. Um, fourth, you're unlikely to get a white Christmas in Miami, unless you're talking about cocaine. Um, five, Miami welcomes over 14 million tourists a year. That's Aston Martin. Uh, six, the Art Deco nightclub district on Miami's South Beach is one of the best in the world. The Art Deco buildings are lovely. The music bars and clubs are awful. Uh, Miami was once a mangrove swamp, and the land we now know is mostly man-made. That's Williams. Uh, suntan lotion was invented in Miami. It's Alpha Tauri. Uh, Miami boasts one of the largest collections of Art Deco buildings in the world. Same fact, really. And Miami is officially the cruise capital of the world. And it doesn't mean ships. It does. And <laughs> I went to Miami, one of the good beaches, Miami South Beach or something, right? And I saw the most American thing I've ever seen. In the water, there was a massive LED billboard. Like on a, on like a, like on a ship, on like a little floating ship that was like being tagged along. And it was like, you know, 100 foot big, like a massive, massive, brightly light. So you're looking at it, to see, you go, this is beautiful. And it just says, uh, get a heroin cream. And now it's time for the State of F1 with Terry Saunders. 
Fernando is faster than Yao. But I am older than him. And honestly, he's giving people in for in and honestly, he's giving people in their forties a bad name. I've always looked forward to being in my forties. You're supposed to have a steady job with a fat pension to look forward to, a loving family who'll look after you as you slowly die, and the reassurance that all sports stars are far younger than you, so whatever innate talent you had is now wasted, but it's not your fault. Really it's not. But then you go and spoil it all by doing something stupid like a podium. Um Alonso has had eight podiums this year, and he's not even in the best car. I don't have a pension or a family, and I'm a freelancer. It's all I have, Fernando. Just let me keep that. Please let me pretend that if only I wasn't so fucking tall, I'd have had a chance as a Formula One driver. That the cracked rib injury in my late 30s is what really held me back. I weighed myself when I got back from America, and I'm not lying. My Bluetooth connected scales told me the reading was, and I quote, abnormal. My beard is going grey, and yet I'm not allowed to begin death in peace because Fernando Alonso is on the fucking podium. Well, I tell you what, Alonso, I tell you what, Alonso, stop it. Stop being good and quit. Don't worry, I have a solution. Michael Schumacher's return to F1 was dogged with claims that when you're in your 40s, your reactions just aren't as good. It's not his fault. It's the biological clock and all that. But like in 2005 and 2006, Fernando Alonso has once again shown up Schumacher and is great in his 40s. So with great reluctance, I have to wait till my 50s to have a chance of being old. 40 is the new 30. Long live Alonso. I hate you. We'll be back in a week and a half-ish to discuss the Las Vegas Grand Prix in the United States of America again. In the meantime, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash for F1's sake, and follow us on Twitter at for F1's sake. Terry, where can people buy merch? FF1S.com forward slash shop shop shop. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I've been Drew Stern. Goodbye. Podcast Network.